0: Now let's turn to our passage uh, for today and that is found in uh, John chapter 17 of course where we continue um, our study. Now just by way of introduction uh, let me say that the verses that we're going to be looking at um, this morning uh, that's verses 6 through to 12 uh, they, they they form the second part uh, of the prayer. In fact Um, the second part of the prayer really goes down to verse 19 so what we're looking at today in the second part of the prayer is the fact that uh, jesus is going to pray for the men who are there at the time his disciples who are before him they're present in the upper room they are listening to what he has to say he's praying for them and then from verse 20 down he looks to the future And he's now going to pray for those who will yet believe in me. Which of course includes many of us uh, this morning. We've divided this second part into two. I'm just going to take the first part of it. Kevin's going to take the second part uh, next week. So let's let's read uh, from verse 6 through to 12 then. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were... And you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Amen. This this is actually the most extensive, the longest of all the prayers of Jesus that are recorded uh, in the scriptures. It's, uh, it's more extensive than what is known as the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. He taught the disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, I guess this is really the Lord's Prayer here. Some people have even referred to it as the, the high priestly prayer uh, of the Lord Jesus. Some of the prayers recorded are, are very short. In the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me said with intensity increasing intensity and repeated three times or from the cross father forgive them they don't know what they're doing we do know as we read earlier something about the tone and the emotion of the prayers of christ the passage in hebrews 5 doesn't just refer to gethsemane it's the days of his flesh His his prayers were all characterized by strong crying and tears unto the one who was able to to save him. And this is a massive challenge, I think, to all of us. When we think about Christ praying, and in particular what he's going to pray for here, it comes to us as a challenge as far as prayer as being a a part of our own lives. Um, It's something that we always need reminded about the importance of, of meeting God in prayer and of bringing people and circumstances towards him in prayer at a personal level, but just how important that is as far as the church gathered collectively together in prayer. Difficult times, difficult to do that, of course, just now. But just again to make the point that in the early church, that was one of the things that characterized them. They, they continued steadfastly in the, in the prayers and uh, a mark of a church that's living and vital is a church that prays together the mark of a church that is declining and a church that may well die is when there is no emphasis put on the importance of prayer together and so let me remind you that on the first wednesday of every month at half past seven there are only limited places for this of course but we we have set up again, our church prayer meeting. And let's make a commitment in our heart, you know, to be part of both communal as well as personal prayer. It's such an easy thing for all of us to slip down uh, on. Now, there are two main points I have for us this morning uh, that come from this passage as we look at Christ's prayer for his disciples. First of all, we're going to look at the reasons uh, for his prayer and then we're going to look at the requests themselves so let, let's look at the reasons that are given here uh, there are two, there, there are two of them uh, verse number uh, 6 i have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world so he's praying for them because they are his people they they have been a gift from the Father to Christ. You gave me these people out of the world. They they are his sheep. They belong to him. They are his precious group who have a unique place in his heart and are dear to him, and that is why he prays for them. And they are dear to him, and he has manifested God's name to them now of course um, he had taught them about God um, he had shown them about God he described God's character to them but but this word manifest means much more than just teaching or describing the way that he had manifested God to them was he was the embodiment of that message it, it wasn't the same for instance as Moses you know, going to go down to egypt and he's, he's taught to 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 tell them who god is say i am has sent you and of course he goes down and he, de- he describes that and he preaches that and he tells them about god's holiness and he tells them about god's c- concern that he would come down and deliver them but that's quite a different thing from being the actual manifestation and the embodiment of that very message and that is what the lord jesus is meaning i have manifested i've shown that i've revealed that it's like john chapter one i mean nobody has seen god at any time but the only begotten who is in the bosom of the father he hath declared him he hath revealed him he has told him out it's like hebrews chapter one when it talks about the sun being the radiance the brightness of god's glory the exact image of God's person. And so when the sunlight comes down and hits our face, it is the same essence and the same quality as that bright ball up in the sky. And in the same way, the sun is the the radiance, the the outshining of, of the very glory of God. And in that sense, he is the manifestation of God to these people who are now dear to him who belong to him the gift of the father and for whom he is now praying let's just think about this idea you gave me them out of the world this of course is sometimes very difficult for us to understand it's the sovereign choice of god and there are many passages in scripture that talk about this you might want to turn to john chapter 6 for instance Uh, and down at verse 37 the lord jesus says there all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me i will never cast them out down at verse 44 of that chapter no one can come to me unless the father draws him now that gives us a great sense of confidence and security as the as the people of god Just imagine, as this passage is telling us, that if we are a believer, that we are a gift from God to the Lord Jesus Christ, from the Father to the Son. This is the great mystery of of the purposes of God. And that really tells us this, that belief in God is not down to intellect, it's not down to my understanding but it's down to God in his mercy and in his sovereignty working in my heart and life and opening my eyes to see my need and also to see the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's God's work and it's not mine. I was um, in India last year and um, I was um, introduced to an old man uh, who had been an an evangelist and uh, he told me something about not only his own conversion, but uh, about his mother's uh, conversion. Uh, she had uh, lived away up in one of these rural villages. Uh, she had been extremely poor. Um, she was a Hindu, and uh, she worshipped idols and was tied up with lots of superstitions. And uh, she was unable to to look after him properly uh, as a baby. And um, to the extent that she she resolved that she just couldn't go on and uh, during the night she was walking from her house to to the well in the village to end her life unknown to her a relative of hers who was a secret disciple who stayed in the same village was actually praying for her at that time and heard footsteps and looked out and saw her and and said why are you doing this and she said, I, I, "I've got no one, and I can do nothing." And uh, she said to her, "There is one who loves you, and who gave his life for you when he died upon the cross." And at that moment, the old man said, "My mother opened her heart uh, to receive Christ away up in the backwoods, uh, in a Hindu village, and and and, and now her son." had been an evangelist and a trainer of evangelists for the next generation moving forward. Is it down to intellect? Is it down to ability? It's down to the work of God. And that should give us confidence and security as far as our salvation uh, is concerned. It's a wonderful truth to recognize and to know that you are his and he is yours. I mean, that's that's what it says in the, in the in the book of the Song of Solomon, doesn't it? As the bride in that great marriage narrative, um, she says about her beloved, you know, I, "I am my beloved's, and and he is mine." This wonderful sense of togetherness and love, and and that is exactly the situation as far as the child of God and their Savior is concerned. We're His. We belong to him, and he is ours. What is it the old hymn says? You know, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. But in case you, you mistakenly feel that this whole idea of God's sovereignty, the gift of the Father to the Son, is all a bit kind of fatalistic, he also talks here about, about their response, how they responded to Christ. And both of these things, of course, have to go hand in hand, although we can't really put that together very easily in our own minds. But, you know, it's not a million miles away from some of the kind of scientific discussions that are held today. You know, people talk about health issues and they will say, well, it's really all down to, you know, the environment that you live in you know what you do what you put into your body you know if you smoke if you drink too much if you do this and that you know that's going to have an impact on your health whereas other people are going to come from another angle and say well no actually it's uh, it's all down to the genetics you know if it's if it's there in your genes doesn't matter about the environment it's going to happen anyway And and people will argue, and maybe it's a bit of both. And it's very difficult to tie both things together. That's just a bit of an example. But what Scripture does clearly state is there is such a thing as the purposes of God, the sovereign purposes of God. But at the same time, individuals are held responsible about how they respond and how they react. God will hold us responsible for that kind of response. And that is what we have here. Look at how they responded. Look down at verse number 6, where it says, They have kept your word. Look at what it says again in verse number 7. They know that everything that you have given me is from you. And look down again at verse number 8. For they have received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. That's the response. And it's good for us, you know, if we have made that kind of response in the past. Just to reaffirm all of these things. To say, you know, I I keep that. I obey that. You know, that's what Paul said to Timothy. Oh, Timothy, keep that which has been entrusted to you. Guard it, protect it, embrace it, hold it fast. I believe this. I receive Christ. And perhaps if there's somebody here who has never done that, that this is the response that we need to be challenged with uh, today. Uh, By the way, I just want to point out um, what I found to be quite an interesting little point of detail. Um, Did you notice there in verse number 8, The Lord Jesus said, I have given them the words that you gave me, plural. All right. And you contrast that with verse 14. I have given them your word, singular. Now, I'll tell you what I think that, that refers to. And and I'll, and I'll tell you uh, by getting you to read with me uh, a passage in Isaiah chapter 50 you'd like to turn to isaiah chapter 50 uh, and verse number four this is this is a messianic verse although isaiah writes it it's all about our lord jesus christ the lord god has given me the tongue of those who are taught that i may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary morning by morning he awakens he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught the lord has opened my ear and i was not rebellious and so forth now what this is saying is this 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 refers to what frequently was uh, the practice of christ you remember often in the gospels it says that very early in the morning he went to the hillside where he was found in prayer and this is what was happening if you like morning by morning god woke his ear if you like and and god poured into his ear his message and as the day unfolded after that what he himself had learned those were the very words that he imparted to his disciples and taught to the people so that he might sustain those who were weary with a word, a word in season to those who were weary the very words plural he had given to them that God had given to him. That's a a tremendous point, you know, that we can take to heart as well. We have the very words of God that come to us. That's the first reason. They're mine, you gave them to me. The second reason that he is praying here, it's just saying the same thing, but in a negative way. And uh, you see that down in verse 9. I'm praying for them... I'm not praying for the world, but for those who you've given me for their yours. And so the point that he's making is this. I'm praying for them because they're distinct and they're separate and they're different from the world in general. I'm, I'm identifying these people, not the world. And of course, when he talks about the world, he's talking about the whole attitude and outlook and viewpoint of of the world in general, that is really contrary to the way that God looks upon things and God says things. you says, "I'm not praying for that. I, I'm praying for them because they're different." Now, they should have been different, <laughs> and uh, and we should be different. You know, it says further down the passage, doesn't it? Uh, it says they are not of the world. Verse 16. And and we shouldn't ourselves be of the world. We also should be identifiably different, recognizably Christ's, separate and distinct. Now, that's not to be in some sort of weird way because we talk different or dress different or whatever. But to be different because we show the character of Christ and we live according to the gospel of Christ and we're not to be the same as everybody else our viewpoint our standards our attitudes the way we look at things is all to be governed by the teachings of christ and the bible and that is to make us different and distinctive and of course the great concern is that very often the lines are blurred and people looking at us at times might say well what is the difference i don't see any difference they're just living the same as everybody else does. And like the Lord says, well, no, they're different, and that's why I'm praying for them, because they are mine. And, and, and the point, of course, that he's making is, you know, I am coming to you, but they are being left behind in this world. And, and they're being left in a very precarious situation, in enemy territory, Uh, behind enemy lines and 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 they're in real need and that's why the lord says i'm praying for them because they're being left behind in the world while i was with them i protected them i kept them but now i'm praying because of their situation now that principle of course very true you know and pointed as far as we're concerned you know we look we look around to all the different categories of people that we know and we're reminded of the precariousness and the danger from a spiritual point of view of our children who are growing up in this world of, 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 of elderly believers uh, who are isolated uh, of every category in between and and the world has its impact and its voice and its influence and its effect on all of us And and we need to pray for each other. These are the reasons that we should be praying for each other too. Because we are Christ's and because we're left behind in this world which is so opposed to the cause of Christ. So these these are the reasons, the two reasons. So let me very briefly just point you to the requests themselves. Look at uh, verse number 11. So these are the actual things that, that he's praying for keep them in your name keep them that's his prayer that's his request keep them that means guard them protect them don't let them be lost by the power of all that you are the power of your name that is all that you stand for your character your person protect and keep them now we know that that of course doesn't mean that we won't have problems and difficulties and heartaches in life we know we know that without a shadow of a doubt you know the suffering of, of christian people of course that doesn't mean that but what it does mean is that through it all he will strengthen and sustain and protect us and he will take us through to his eternal glory and we will not fall from that point of view we will be protected and guarded all the way through i mean that's what first peter chapter 1 is talking about it talks about how there is an inheritance that's incorruptible that's been kept for me in heaven but then he says but you are being kept for it you are being kept by the power of god through faith for that salvation which is ready to be revealed in the last days god will keep you keep you now that's the way of course we need to read some of the psalms let me remind you of that great psalm 121 you might again want to turn to this where where this idea of being kept is emphasized again and again you know that's the one i lift my eyes to the hills where does my help come from well it doesn't come from the hills my help comes from the lord who made heaven and earth he'll not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber god's not going to go to sleep on the job he who keeps israel will neither slumber nor sleep the lord is your keeper The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Remember that, brother and sister. The Lord is your keeper. Christ prays that they might be kept, that we might be kept in this world. That is so hostile uh, to him second request again uh, look down at verse uh, number 11 keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one you can see this uh, further down uh, in the prayer he mentions it again in verses 22 and verses 23 that they may be one even as we are one as we are one the oneness the unity of the father and the son and so his prayer is that these 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 people here my prayer my request is that they they show and they live that that sense of unity that actually exists within the godhead Now, of course, not talking about some kind of uniformity, not talking about some kind of clone-like robotic similarity. You know, there is all the the variety and the diversity of who we are as people. But within that, as believers in the Lord Jesus, there is to be a oneness of purpose uh, and a oneness of objective the oneness of essence in the same way as exists within the Godhead. And that means this, that rather than being divided, there should be a unity of motivation and of love, that we have to have this this sense of no personal agendas or infighting or, maybe even worse, indifference to one another but we're built on the on the same foundation, which is Christ. And we have the same objective to glorify Him and live for Him. And the same purpose in making His gospel known. And the same hope in being with Him one day. So many things that have to characterize the unity of, of the people of God. And of course, one of the great tragedies of church history is the whole idea of and the reality of divisiveness and difficulty and fragmentation and infighting which has put so many people off the gospel as they've looked at the way that christians have conducted themselves sadly this is the prayer of christ uh, for us we're told that we are to pursue peace to actually promote it you know The peace exists. The relationship is there. We are to maintain that in the bond of love. And so, that's why Christ prays, as he does. And this is what he does pray for. He prays that they might be kept. And he prays for unity. What what great principles, concepts for us to be reminded about. That that is so dear to the heart of Christ that He would He would pray that on behalf of His disciples. Now shall we pray? Lord, it's it's a humbling thing for us to, to realise that uh, Christ prays for us and still does in heaven as our great high priest. And we've been given some insight today in why he prayed and for what he prayed. And, Lord, we ask that that we might take that to heart because we know it's important to him. We pray that all of us might go here today with a sense of knowing that he prays that we will be kept and that we might be united in our love as the people of God together. And so, Lord, we, we commit ourselves to you. Um, we ask that we might go from here with a sense of your presence and love. A sense of hearing your word of taking it to heart and to following it into this week we give to your thanks today through our lord jesus christ amen